0: All right, here's a quote some of you might be familiar with. He is a bird of bad moral character. He does not get his living honestly. You may have seen him perched on some dead tree near the river, where, too lazy to fish for himself, he watches the labor of the fishing hawk. And when that diligent bird has at length taken a fish and is bearing it to his nest for the support of his mate and young ones, the bald eagle pursues him and takes it from him. With all this injustice, he is a never in good case, but like those among men who live by sharping and robbing, he is generally poor and often very lousy. Besides, he is a rank coward. Hey, y'all. I'm Paul Severs, interpreter with Great Parks of Hamilton County, and you're listening to Take It Outdoors, a Great Parks of Hamilton County podcast. And this is a show where you can enjoy the outdoors through your headphones. On today's show, we'll be talking about bald eagles and their benefit from land conservation. The quote you heard at the top was from Benjamin Franklin, and it was written in a letter to his daughter in 1784. Some of you may have heard that Franklin proposed the turkey as a national symbol. This is actually erroneous and falsely based on the letter I just quoted, but quite obviously he was not necessarily a fan of the bald eagle. I, however, certainly do not agree with that sentiment. It is an amazing animal. Yes, it is. Klepto-parasitic. Klepto for thief, parasitic for, well, you, you get the idea. The bald eagle will chase the fishing hawk or the osprey, as we commonly call it today, causing it to drop its catch, which the bald eagle promptly steals. That's an interesting tidbit, but the question I have today is this. Could Benjamin Franklin, way back in 1784, ever comprehend the bald eagle being on the verge of extinction? Could he ever have imagined not seeing a bald eagle grace the skies? I'm going to guess no. But 40 or 50 years ago, this was a massive problem. Bald eagles were nearly extinct. Long story short, regulations allowed the bald eagle to recover, and today, land conservation allows the bald eagle to... There, I even say thrive? Well, let's look at the numbers. In 1979, there were four nests in Ohio, only four. Last year in 2017, there are an estimated 221 nests. And from those 221 nests, there are an estimated 312 fledglings. And these numbers have been consistent for nearly the last 10 years, causing researchers to believe the bald eagle numbers have stabilized in Ohio. Today, to talk further about bald eagles and land conservation, we have John Seymour, president of Oxbow, Inc. John, welcome and thank you for graciously joining us today on Take It Outdoors. Thank you
1: for having me, Paul.
0: So the first obvious question is, we hear Oxbow, Inc., and I'm sure this is probably a question you get quite often, is what is an oxbow?
1: An oxbow is a remnant of a riverbed. As it meanders, it cuts itself a a riverbed, and that meander tends to get bigger and bigger. It's called erosion, as well as land building. On the outside of the bank, the water rips away soil, and on the inside of the curve, it puts soil back down. So this thing grows. It's a living organism in many respects. And sooner or later, it gets too big, and the neck of it gets cut off in a flood, The remaining dry channel now, it was a channel, it's still deep, it still holds water, that becomes an oxbow lake.
0: Okay, remnant of a river, and then how does this then become so important to the wildlife?
1: Well, it creates lakes, and when you create a lake, you create a wetland habitat around that lake uh, that has a wide variety of things that birds need, food, nesting, cover, And these are things that uh, Oxbow Lakes create. They are found all up and down the Mississippi system. There's not too many on the Ohio because uh, Ohio is a relatively young river.
0: So, where then exactly is the Oxbow? I mean, if people wanted to head out that way, where would they go to find the Oxbow?
1: Most people have actually driven through the Oxbow many times. if uh, They take uh, 275 around through Indiana and over into Kentucky to head for the airport. They've gone right down the middle of it because it's the last three miles or so of along uh, I-275 as you head into Indiana. That is the Oxbow property uh, for about two miles. It's on the Uh, east side of 275, and then about a mile and a half above the bridge. It's on the west side of 275. Best location is that the exit 16 off-ramp of 275. is pretty much located right in the middle of it. And uh, so you head off right. So we're we're right outside of of Lawrenceburg. Uh, Oxbow property, most of it's in the state of Indiana, and we abut into uh, Great Parks property in
0: the state of Ohio. Right. And if you want to find Shawnee Lookout, they're obviously, like he said, they're connected. Um, but if you stop one exit from Lawrenceburg is Kilby Road, and you can find Shawnee Lookout off of there. We have the Oxbow then, and we have now Oxbow Inc. So, how did that come about?
1: Oxbow Inc. Be- began uh, following the Save the Oxbow Society. The Save the Oxbow Society originated in 1985 when there was a threat to build a barge port in the Great Miami River uh, basin in the floodplain. And when that was proposed, a group of people got together and started to organize a letter writing campaign to protect that area, which was primarily, at that time, farmland and Oxbow Lake. By doing this, they actually did get the idea of the barge port canceled. And in 1986, they decided that if they needed to do this again, they would probably be doing it every two years for the next hair-brain scheme that somebody wanted to build something in a floodplain for. So they formed another organization, which was called Oxbow Incorporated, for the express purpose of protecting and improving the floodplain at the confluence of the Great Miami River and Ohio River.
0: So I like that then you... It wasn't a, we stopped it, yay, good job. It was a, well, let's continue on. You know, you mentioned floodplains and wetlands, and wetlands is a term that a lot of times it has a connotation of, we're missing them. Um, I know certainly there used to be far more wetlands than there are today. Why are those so endangered? What's happening to all of them?
1: Well, wetlands are the, basically the first place you look for flat ground that nobody wants and is really cheap. Uh, And all you have to do is fill it in or drain it, and you can build stuff on it. The, uh, The realization that this might not be such a good thing has occurred only
0: relatively recently. Way back, 85, people came together. They conserved all of this land. And it seems then that it wasn't just, like you mentioned farmland, so it wasn't just a, hey, we saved this land. But at this point, you've even improved it back to, I mean... And there's no farming there, I assume, anymore, so it's actually been then improved back to native wildlife and, and flora and fauna, correct?
1: Uh, not right. That's not right. Okay. <laughs> uh, there's quite a bit of farming still there. We farm 400 acres of the, the 1,400 acres we own. Um, so we do include farming. When we were formed, we were formed by conservationists, truly, uh, but we were also formed by other people that wanted to protect the floodplain for different reasons. We had people that were for, helped form the organization who were hunters, who had hunted in the, the bottomlands for decades, and maybe their grandfathers taught them how to farm there. And maybe their fathers taught them how to fish in the ponds. Uh, farmers who farmed the land wanted to see it preserved. They'd been in, the farms had been in their family for 150 years. Uh, these groups of people are not necessarily all that compatible sometimes, but we formed an organization that looked at how all of these outdoor uses could be put together and kept uh, appropriately. So we formed an organization where we do have hunting allowed in very controlled fashion. We have fishing allowed. Uh, We have agriculture that takes place, and yet we are a nature
0: preserve. So the moral is a community with seemingly opposite ideas can come together for a greater good and purpose.
1: They can and, and do, and the idea of Suburban uh, wildlife areas is a very important one. We have obviously an idea of wilderness and what wilderness does for us. Wilderness is very rare and very difficult to preserve. Most of the land in this country is near suburban areas. And having a means by which we can preserve biodiversity in those areas is highly important.
0: How then has the conservation of the Oxbow area benefited the wildlife?
1: The Oxbow area had always been an area that attracted a large number of uh, migratory birds. We were on a migratory pathway that probably goes back 400,000 years before the glaciers. And by preserving it and improving it, we have added food source into the area, we have added a constant cover, a much better protected area in terms of uh, stress to the animals.
0: So, specifically, then, how has the bald eagle benefited from some place like the Oxbow?
1: Bald eagle has been an interesting bird. I, I looked for uh, early pioneer references of bald eagles nesting in the Great Miami Valley and letters that were written in the 1780s and 1790s and actually found none. I was very surprised. Then, uh, approximately Fifteen years ago, uh, we started to see activity, uh, uh, some single nests near us. As you indicated, they've been coming back into Ohio. And there was absolutely no reason why the Ohio River shouldn't attract them or the Great Miami River shouldn't attract them. So at this point, we now see several nests along the Ohio and some near the Great Miami. Uh, My estimate is if I go out there during most seasons of the year, Every third trip, I'm going to see a bald eagle. At this point, they're, they're relatively easy to see, although it's not a given. The interesting part is many people will see a bald eagle and not know they've seen one because most people don't know that there is an adult in a, a juvenile plumage. And the juvenile plumage
0: lasts for four years. I mean, that's very interesting that you mentioned going back to see that there aren't references to the bald eagle in this area. So that tells me that you know these eagles were potentially in other areas that are now for lack of a better term uninhabitable to them and now we preserved an area for them uh,
1: that could be an explanation. It also could be an explanation that the eagles that have survived are more adaptable to that type of of uh, nesting structure whereas the ones that were here 250 years ago, uh, we're really focused on the Great Lakes and and other areas that
0: were prime. Today, what challenges, you know, obviously you guys have have worked for over 30 years now to preserve um, so much of that area, but what challenges do you still face today?
1: Our our challenges are the challenges, I think, of every organization, like the Great Parks. Uh, Invasive plants are are a huge challenge. Uh, They choke out the natural habitat. Insects that are causing destruction of various trees. Eagles require very large trees uh, to support their nests. Uh, Most people don't realize that a beginning bald eagle nest probably weighs three to 400 pounds the first year they build one, and they keep adding to it each year, so they can get up to 2,000 pounds. That and people's inability to care for the land, such as leaving trash around and things that can cause animals damage, snares, fish nets, um, fish lines, hooks, things like that. Uh, So all these challenges that all the parks face and we face uh, in keeping that habitat as receptive to animals, particularly the bald eagle in this case, are some of the biggest challenges we have.
0: So what what efforts do you guys have now to overcome some of those challenges?
1: Most of our efforts in in that line are volunteer efforts to remove invasive species, uh, trying to limit their numbers, plant uh, native species that will compete successfully with the invasive species and then try to create conditions where the native species will normally, naturally compete against the invasive species. So it's, it's a matter of uh, balance, of, of effort, as well as knowing when to sit back and say, let, let nature take its course here and see what happens, and hopefully uh,
0: it will win the battle. So you guys recently had a new purchase of 435 acres. How does this play into you know, your conservation efforts, what you guys are all about, and why is, it, why is it so significant?
1: It actually finally completes the dream that the formers of Oxbow had, uh, which also included and were mo- mentored by uh, several naturalists within great parks uh, to try to protect the entire floodplain of the Great Miami River with the acquisition of 400 acres we now touch. So all the property that great parks is protected, uh, all the property we're protecting uh, touches together in a large uh, along a large border and if we add all the protected area uh, that we protect, that great parks protects as and conservation easements and as Shawnee lookout, that whole number exceeds 5,000 acres.
0: Big news. I mean that's a wonderful thing that I mean, that fragmentation is now... It's all together. Yeah, and everything's together And I mean, 7.8 square miles. I mean, that's a big deal. Bottom line then, you know, 33 years ago, if that barge port had been developed, would we see all of the animals and the plants that we see when we can, you know, when we go to the Oxbow, when we go to Shawnee Lookout? And do you think that, you know, like you said, about every third time you're there in that area, you'll see a bald eagle. If that barge port had been put in place, would you see a bald eagle every third time you went?
1: I I certainly don't think you would. I don't think you'd see hardly any in the immediate area. If you look now along the Ohio River and look at the barge and storage facilities, essentially imagine that played out over a Approximately a thousand acres with parking lots, uh, large levees to keep water out, and you would find that there really wouldn't be any habitat there to support much of anything.
0: Essentially, then, I mean, the Oxbow you you've mentioned word like edges and food source, um, floodplains, wetlands. All of these things are coming together, and you know the. The Bald eagle is a very charismatic animal it's It's something that people love to see. It's something that if you live in this country, you know what that animal is, whether you've actually seen one or not. And you know, through efforts like Oxbow Inc, there's being land that's being conserved and preserved for them. So how then with, you know, when you take a charismatic animal like the bald eagle and you begin to conserve and preserve area for them, is there a, you know, in one sense of the way, a trickle-down effect? I mean, not that the bald eagle is a greater animal than anything else, but, you know, when you look at one animal and you say, hey, we can save this animal, how do other things benefit then that surround that, that are a part of that ecosystem? I
1: would look at it the other way. The other way is... You create a habitat that will support animals like the bald eagle, and they will find it. So basically, it's it's the old thing you build it, and they will come. If you p- create the habitat, protect the habitat, animals will come to it. Uh, Oxbow is rather unique. I said there weren't that many Oxbow lakes in the Ohio system, they were on a, a minor migratory pathway. Uh, we have a a bird list, a species list in the Oxbow of 290 species of birds, which is more than most national wildlife refuges have.
0: It's a good place to go bird watching.
1: It's a good place to go bird watching.
0: You know, a lot of times when we think of conservation, we might see an area and say, this is an extremely important area. We must preserve it because there's this, this, and this, and this here. Am I wrong in saying that in some ways the Oxbow, I mean, like you said, if you build it, they will come that, not that it was an important area, but almost through its preservation, became an even more important area. Is that? Am I off in saying that?
1: Well, no, you're you're not, because as a very first thing I, I I think I said, or very one of the first things, was that our mission was to preserve and protect and improve.
0: So again, it's this idea that what are seemingly differing ideas are actually coming together and working pretty well together.
1: Well, I I said about, uh, we we talked about wilderness, and wilderness is rare. Elder Leopold pointed out that there wasn't that much wilderness. It was great to save wilderness and it needed to be saved, but if you really wanted to work with the land, 95% of the land was in private hands. And that's the land you have
0: to work with to really keep species safe and alive. So I am here at the Miami Fort Trail, at Shiny Lookout. I'm at the very end of the trail and I'm at the point and I can see to my west is the Great Miami River. I can see where it flows south and meets the Ohio River and right at that confluence, um, I found a bald eagle. He's perched in a tree. Um, a lot of the Whitewater River right now and the Great Miami River is actually frozen. It's only about 15 degrees out here. Um, so he's well in the distance but I can easily identify him because of that white tail and the white head. Um, I've been standing out here for about an hour and I saw him kind of uh, fly around right there at the confluence and finally perch. Here at this, at the confluence here at the, the Great Miami and the Ohio River, um, this is a wonderful place to find bald eagles. Obviously I'm, I'm looking at one right now. Um, and I've seen them here numerous times. The most memorable was uh, at a winter hike in 2015. I was with a group of about 20 people and we saw one down um, by the Great Miami River and then a second one joined in and they moved up the hill until they were only about 25 or 30 feet above our heads. It was just an incredible um, an incredible moment and I'm so glad that there were 20 other people there to experience that moment with me. And I know that um, that's a moment that none of us will soon forget. 50 years ago, if we were talking about this subject, it would be very doom and gloom we'd be talking about how few bald eagles there are and how their species is on the brink of extinction. Today, though, in 2018, we can talk about this in a very positive light of how bald eagles have returned and how their numbers are stabilizing and how we can head out into nature and find them and see them and enjoy them. That's our show for today. Check out Shawnee Lookout, Campbell Lakes, Arm Leader, Avoca, Woodland Mound, Fernbank, Witten Woods, all places you can find bald eagles. And for more information on those parks, visit greatparks.org. John, I thank you for joining us today.
1: Appreciate being here. Thanks for inviting me.
0: For more information on the Oxbow, visit Oxbow, Inc. That's oxbowinc.org. And thank you listeners for joining us today as well for Take It Outdoors where you can explore the outdoors through your headphones. Check us out next month for our next episode. Until then, I'm Paul Sievers. Get outside, enjoy nature.